Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode number 43, The Murder of Marjorie Jackson. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Works. I'm your host, Ash, and this week's episode is about the murder of Marjorie Jackson. And it's a real doozy. It takes a lot of twists and turns, and there's just a lot of interesting information about it, for sure. So I really look forward to sharing this with you. My only announcement is just please remember to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps the show, and it helps others find the show. Thank you so much for that. So that's my only announcement, so let's just get right into this case. Marjorie Jackson was born Marjorie O'Connell, and not much is known about her early childhood, but she was working at Murphy's Five and Dime store in downtown Indianapolis, and she met Chester Jackson there. Now, Chester Jackson was very successful. He became president of the Standard Grocery chain in 1931, following the murder of his father and store founder, Lafayette Andrew Jackson. The chain had expanded to more than 250 stores around Indianapolis and its surrounding cities. In 1947, Chester Jackson sold the chain to the National Tea Company. He reinvested the money, $14 million in coal stocks, $5 million in bonds, and other small investments. So the Jackson estate totaled about $25 million, which back in the day was even bigger than it is right now. When they met, Chester Jackson was still married to his first wife, but that didn't stop him from pursuing an affair with O'Connell for several years. And it was not a very secret affair either. People knew about it. In the year 1952, Chester Jackson and Marjorie O'Connell married. Sadly, Chester died and Marjorie inherited about $14 million dollars. And this was about $94 million nowadays. Most of the money was deposited into the Indiana National Bank. Chester had begun stashing his money in the house because he did not trust the IRS. So this is kind of where the behavior of not trusting anyone with money started. Marjorie also became severely depressed after his death and became a recluse. Neighbors would report that She would talk to animals and practice odd rituals, usually of a religious nature. In the year 1976, a bank employee embezzled $700,000 from her account. And this is very alarming, and it would be to anyone, but especially to her. So she would show up at the bank with a suitcase and withdraw a million dollars at a time in stacks of $100 bills. And she would stash the money in her home in closets, toolboxes, and vacuum cleaner bags. So this is a traumatic event that really would affect her mental health. And at this time, she was around 60 years old, and she lived at 6490 Spring Mill Road by herself. And at this time, she also stopped caring about the yard, and neighbors would complain about tall grass and weeds all over it. Between January and May of 1976, Marjorie cashed out her entire $9 million account. She also had money in other banks and may have accumulated about $11 million in cash at her home. And of course, 
rumors were circulating about the old lady with all this cash in her home. And this began to attract unwanted attention. 19-year-old burglars Walter Bergen Jr. and Douglas Howard Green decided to rob her house, and they found jewelry everywhere and stuffed their pockets. But they also discovered $817,000 in cash in a closet. And of course, like most burglars, they decided to brag about it. And Marjorie did not report the crime. So when the deputies heard about this, they came to her house to ask her if she wanted to press charges. And when this happened, she pointed a pistol at them and ordered them off her property. On the night of May 1st, 1977, the Spring Mill House was broken into again. And this time, thieves made off with about a million dollars. They came back a couple nights for more. That night, Marjorie Jackson was shot in the stomach with a 22 rifle and bled to death on the kitchen floor. The thieves decided to set fire to the house, but they were not skilled in arson, and the fire did not destroy the body or much of the house either. Because the house was so isolated, it took a few days for the damage to be noticed, and on May 7th, the firefighters came and discovered the body. Police later found over $5 million, most of it stuffed in a 32-gallon trash can tucked inside a hallway closet. Marion County Police Detective Lieutenant Robert Kirkman explained the house was cluttered with groceries, clothing, and other belongings, which made it difficult for investigators to determine if anything had been stolen. So she would be classified as a hoarder. The home was full with 50 loaves of bread, 150 pounds of coffee, 200 dozen cookies, and a variety of cakes bearing inscriptions such as, quote, to God for Marjorie, end quote. There were several thousand objects wrapped in aluminum foil with greeting cards, like she was giving gifts to God. Several people were charged with the crime. The two main men were Howard Billy Joe Willard, who was convicted of murder, sentenced to life, and died in prison, and Manuel Lee Robinson, who was convicted of arson and burglary, and was paroled in 1988. Investigators recovered $1.6 million through Robinson's arrest and found another $1.7 million Willard had buried in an Arizona desert. The weapon was the rifle, and that was also connected to Willard. Today's episode is brought to you by DB Journey. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB Gears is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB Journey has designed, developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. As someone who really enjoys traveling, I know just how important it is to have the right luggage. It can really make or break a vacation. We are teaming up with DB Journey to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's P-O-D-10 at checkout, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going.
Since then, some reports have claimed that a large sum of missing money was stolen by an FBI agent who was working the case. Marjorie also kept her dining room table set with her best china and crystal in anticipation of supper with Jesus. In the year 2015, an 81-year-old investigative reporter in Arizona by the name of Dan Devereaux claimed he had a hunch where some of the money was. He thinks the FBI may be hiding information to protect the reputation of the deceased former FBI agent, who he suspects may have kept the money after the arrest. According to Devereaux, he claims the FBI says that files on the case have been partially destroyed. The agency so far has not provided any explanation for why part of the file was destroyed or what missing documents may have been contained in it. Devereaux says that maybe the agent skimmed some of the money right away or went back to the desert and dug up money from other locations where Willard may have buried it. To this day, at least $1.6 million was never recovered. And that is the only money they know for a fact is missing due to the serial numbers and amounts Marjorie withdrew from the bank before her death. So, to this day, the mystery of how much money went unaccounted for and who took it may never be solved. So there you have the tragic murder of Marjorie Jackson. It's a very sad case, even though there's not a lot of information on it, especially about her early life, which I would like to hear more about. Just to see, you know, what kind of led to everything that she was going through. But it's really sad because she was definitely suffering from some sort of mental illness. And if she had gotten the help that she needed, this might have been able to be prevented. And it's just really tragic that this had to happen this way. It's definitely a brutal, brutal case in many ways. And it's also really interesting how the money hasn't turned up and... You know, I don't even know what happened to it or who took it, but there's definitely a lot to think about. And it is just very sad and tragic, like I said before. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of True Crime Works. We are coming up on the one-year anniversary of this podcast, and I am super excited about that. I'm not sure what that'll look like, but I would like to do something special for it because it's Halloween month and the one-year anniversary of the podcast. So that's two very exciting things that are happening back-to-back. Well, thank you so much again for listening to True Crime Works. And I just want to remind you one more time, if you could please rate, subscribe, review. If you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps the show out, and it helps others find the show. So it helps us to keep going. Thank you so much again. Well, I hope everyone has a great rest of your week, and I look forward to talking to you next week.